In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 78th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are 1-2 and two and coming off of a 43-37 to 37 overtime loss to the New Orleans Saints. The Falcons found out that Ricardo Allen, the fine free safety, will be lost for the season with an Achilles tendon tear. He'll be having surgery and faces a six months recovery. To replace Ricardo on the roster they're going to go with DeMonte Casey at free safety. Jordan Richards is listed as the number one strong safety in Keanu Neal's spot and of course we know Duke Riley's taking over for Deion Jones at middle linebacker. They did sign Sherrod Neesman to back up Richards and Sherrod played with the Falcons in 2016 and was on the uh, uh, on the team in the playoffs and played in Super Bowl 51. I thought he would make the team a couple years ago but he did not and they uh, you know he's been moving around the league trying to stick and now he's back in Atlanta and will be figured into the defense in some kind of way uh, for now as the backup to Sherrard, uh, backup to Jordan Richards. So, you know, this week the Falcons are getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are 2-1, and one, and we go, we talk to our buddy Jeff Hobson of the uh, Bengals.com to help us break down the Bengals. So here we go with Jeff. here with Jeff Hobson of the Bengals.com, a long-time beat writer in Cincinnati. Here joining us on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Barrister Lightbetter, it's always great to be with you. One of the great uh, products of the University of uh, Cincinnati. Glad to be on the phone with you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Can you give us an update on A.J. Green? We saw the, the uh, three plays he played and the groin injury and then him saying it's just a bruise. Yeah, I wish I could. I wish I had an update for you. I don't think that's going to come until tomorrow, until we see practice. Uh, Marvin's pretty tight-lipped about that stuff. I mean, AJ did seem pretty upbeat. Uh, saw him walk around the locker room Monday. He wasn't limping, so that's a good sign. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't think we're going to know anything until uh, until we see what deploys on the practice field. Oh yeah, Coach Marvin's Wednesday. Uh Injury report will be much anticipated. Well, it's uh, it's not a, it's 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 not much more elaborate than Coach Belichick's. Yeah, so, I have to imagine. Yeah, I don't think we'll. Uh, uh, but I think we'll see. I, I I think we'll get an idea when we see him moving around out there Wednesday. Okay, good deal. Hey, now we see where Drake Kirkpatrick's uh, one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the uh, in the league, or the most targeted uh, with with the Falcons receivers coming in. Uh, uh, you know, how's he going to tighten up his game to be ready for Sunday? 
Well, I, you know, he's got a lot on the ride. You know, you know, like uh, he was telling us yesterday. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, this, this thing's personal with him. You know, with uh, going against Julio Jones, his teammate at Alabama, and he's going against Mohamed Sanu, a former teammate here in Cincinnati. Plus, Ridley's another Alabama guy. Um, you know, uh, Dre's Dre's kind of uh, he's digging deep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's uh, I think he feels you know at least. At least, you know, perception-wise, is he's getting picked on, and people are going after him instead of William Jackson. And uh, whereas, you know, some some might argue that that's a tough position he's playing. They've been on the field more than any other defense in the league. You're going to give up some plays. You know, I think he's played 217 snaps. Jackson's played 231. No one's been on the field more than the Bengals' defense because of their inability to get off the field on third down. So I think, you know, some would say, you know, he's probably held up all right for a guy that's been on the field that long. Um, Carolina did go after him on third down. So, uh, you know, I would expect uh, interesting to see how uh, how they how they respond. We, you know, the Bengals famously do not travel their corners. They keep them on one side. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what the Falcons do with Julio. Yeah, and uh, the, the second-year guy, John Ross, the uh, speedster, uh, looks like he's he's making some plays, but, uh, uh, you know, I know he's taking some heat there for uh, not coming back on a couple interceptions. Or how's he holding up? I know he didn't talk after the game, and looks like he um, uh, didn't come in during the open media session on Monday. Yeah, he's, uh, he is not a popular figure on social media, let's put it that way. Um, the fans are going after him pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't, as a side note, I can't remember, I don't think I've ever covered a game where a quarterback threw four interceptions and none of them were his fault. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, Ross, uh, I think the feeling is that Ross didn't really kind of bail out on two of them. Didn't, did not, I mean, didn't really, you know, didn't, maybe didn't battle or didn't, didn't, didn't counter it as much as they thought he should have. And, um, Josh Malone had a ball go off to the wide receiver, the second-year wide receiver. Ross was taken in the first round. Malone was taken in the fourth out of Tennessee. Good prospect, but uh, he should have caught a ball Sunday and it bounced off his hands for an interception, so that's three. And then the fourth one was a last play, uh, end of the game, Hail Mary. So that's pretty hard for a guy to go throw four picks, and none of them are his fault. And... uh, you know, Ross, they got to, uh, they just got to see some consistency. The guy's got great speed. He had a play Sunday, just blew by the, <clears throat> just blew by the corner, and it uh, looked like he misjudged the ball. I mean, he had the ball right there, but it looked like John kind of misjudged it. He also kind of got knocked off his pins a little bit. You know, there could have been a flag, but, you know, there usually there's not. So, it's just, he's kind of got to just get uh, mentally, I think, he's just got to get uh, used to, you know, he's, he's playing He's playing at a fast rate. He's, a, he's got a lot of talent, but it's just he's got to, uh, you know, I think just learn, to, just learn the game a little bit. And it's uh, it's it's tough because he's a first-round pick, so he's doing it in front of the whole world. But, you know, if they get anything out of him, uh, Led, they're in the, they're in the, that's a, he is a big weapon because there's no question he can run and get by people. Okay, no question about it. And just your general thoughts here. It's Coach Moore, 16th year. Uh, know he was good friends with Coach Smitty. They used to talk uh, regularly, the former Falcons coach, uh, Mike Smith. And uh, what's the general feeling after the 2-0 and start and uh, then a tough one there in Carolina on the road? 
Well, I think what's, I think people are surprised by how badly the defense played, about how badly they played the run. That's the six. You know, I mean, McCaffrey is uh, you know 184 yards. I think that's the sixth most uh, Marv's ever given up. You're talking about guys like Jamal Lewis and uh, and uh, Larry Johnson in his prime who, who put up numbers like that. Uh, Ray Rice was the last time somebody put up that many on Buck 91. I you certainly don't think Christian McCaffrey's going to do that to you. So they're reeling from that. They're putting their they're uh, putting their hanging their hat on the fact that it was a unique, such a unique offense. I think generally the feeling is one of optimism because Marvin did what he had to do. He had to rip up the offense, and he had to rip up the offensive line. He had to put a new coach on a new culture in up front, and uh, he needed the, the the offense needed new ideas, and they've done that. Now they've been a little bit hamstrung. They didn't have AJ for a half. They did not have Joe Mixon for the whole game. Um, so you know they don't have their rookie center Billy Price. So they were a little reduced. But I think generally, you know, people like what uh, Andy's played well. Forget the forget the four picks. He's played well. Um, they're giving him up front most of the time. They're giving him more time and space. I think Frank Pollock, the new offensive line coach, I think his schemes kind of are, are designed to give Andy a little bit more room in that in that pocket. So uh, I think you know, generally, I think it's you know, I think a lot of people would have taken a two and one start. You know, coming off what they were, where the pundits were picking for them. I think a lot. You know, I think we we we, we, we were thinking the most gettable game out of this two game swing in the AFC in, in the NFC. Was probably Carolina because their offensive line was so banged up, and Matty Ice is hard to beat at home with uh, with those three monsters he's thrown to. So they would have, I think, they would have liked to have had that, that the one in Carolina, but they did not take advantage of the banged up Carolina offensive line, and now they got to try and you know they got to do what not many people do, and that's try to uh, douse uh, douse uh, Matty Ice at home. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeff, thanks for stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We really appreciate your insight to the Cincinnati Bengals. There he is, our guy Jeff Hobson. He's also an old newspaper guy, worked, covered the Bengals for uh, Cincinnati Post. And I know some of you all know I was old uh, backup B writer there in Cincinnati uh, at the Inquirer. Covered the uh, Bengals when they went to the playoffs, when they went to the Super Bowl back in the Sam Weiss days. So, uh, should be a good game on Sunday. The, um, want to just make sure we give some respect or propers to the fine game that the rookie Calvin Ridley had against the Saints. Seven catches for 146 yards and three touchdowns. That's four in the last two games. Man, and just watching him work, um, you know, seeing it build. Just got done watching the, the coaches film here today. And uh, you could see how they set old P.J. Williams up through the nine-yard out. Uh, did some comeback routes. And then next thing you know, boom, he's taking off up the sidelines for 75 yards uh, it was just a, um, a a textbook way of how they set that corner up over there great job by Steve Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan to you know take what they wanted they wanted the over the 
over-the-top bombs because the Saints are putting so many people in the box, but you just don't come out and throw away like that. You set it up, and they did a great job of setting that up. Then also, I think on his touchdown, his nine-yard touchdown, where it looked like from the press box his foot was out, but the review held it up for him. Uh, he's, he's running an end cut there, and he sees his quarterbacks in trouble, and he leaks out to the um, – he starts going back the other way. I mean, that's a veteran move. Most rookies wouldn't know to do that. And uh, Matt got out to his left, found him, put a ball in there where Calvin could run right through it and catch it in the end zone. And out of all the plays, that was the most impressive one to me because he was uh, he did such a veteran thing there to get open. So, yeah, hats off to Calvin Ridley. He's doing a great job. They're going to need plenty more of that this season with all the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And we just want to clear up here, too, that we did ask about Eric Reed and uh, whether Falcons would sign him. Of course, he started 69 games in the league, was way better than Jordan Richards, but Jordan was a second-round pick out of Stanford. Uh, to us, uh, the media people, and uh, but the Falcons decided to stay with the people they have on hand. They, uh, you know, they did uh, hypothetically talk about trading for Earl Thomas, but they said they are committed to Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, which you know won't help them at all this year. Uh, they're committed to them for long range, so they don't want to get Earl Thomas here. And uh, then try to, you know, strike a deal to keep him. But, I mean, if he's disgruntled in Seattle, I don't know why you wouldn't trade for him to have him for just this year and then let him go to Dallas or wherever he wants to go. Um, you know, there seems to be there could have been something worked out there. Uh, you just see, I know the fans see that, you know, when New England needs somebody, they go get him. You know, Josh Gordon's cut. It took him all of four hours to get him to New England. Maybe it works for him. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but the Falcons um, are going to go with DeMonte Casey and Jordan Richards, it looks like, and, uh, you know, play some more gimmick defenses or some different uh, style of defenses with the players that they have on hand. So just want to make sure we're up to date on that. Great job by the great Jeff Hobson, former uh, B writer of Cincinnati Bengals for the Cincinnati Post. He's been working with the team now for a long time, about 15 years, I believe, and uh, does a great job as a the team internet reporter. He's not a, you know, a cheerleader, you know, not. Uh, he actually does it like he did his regular job for the beat, and uh, the team respects that, and uh, they allow him to do it that way. So hopefully he get. well, I know he did give us some great insight to the Bengals. And, uh, you know, just wanted to give it up to Calvin Ridley and then, uh, uh, you know, let you all know that we did ask about Eric Reed and Earl Thomas. And uh, the Falcons are going to move on with some people that they know, that they know and they know the Falcons system. And uh, Coach Quinn and Coach Marquand and uh, all the defensive coaches are going to be on the spot here the rest of the way to put together this unit. And uh, at least slow some people down. You know, they can't give up 535 yards every week. And I'm sure they're going to, you know, be coaching uh, real hard on the defensive side of the ball. With that, we're set to close here the 78th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You all take care and have a great week. Kickoffs at 1 p.m. on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
the one and two Atlanta Falcons versus the two and one Cincinnati Bengals. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents Hip Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip hop. 50 years. No one can deny one film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.